Super Talk Mississippi media production. If you're feeling anxious about your investments with all the economic volatility and chaos in Washington, tune in to Super Talk Jackson on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. This show was previously recorded. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You are tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, Good Things wants to remind you that there are some great things to do in Mississippi, plenty of events and unique places to visit. So go to visitmississippi.org to find out more and head on over to supertalktv.com. You will meet Jojo Dodd. He is a graduate or fixing to be a graduate from UMMC and medicine. He's going to serve as a physician in the Navy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg of his inspiring story. Story. And JoJo or Joseph, which one do you want? Whichever one you'd like. Whichever one you want. My mom Figure. prefers Joseph, but Joe is what most folks call JoJo is probably what most <laughs> folks call you, considering it was in quotation marks. Um, but when I started reading your story, I thought, man, I thought I had bounced around professionally or had, like, you know, uh, eclectic interests and hobbies. And I was like, nope. You win the gold medal. You completely take the cake. And I thought, man, this is going to be fun to unpack. And there were so many different places to potentially start in your story. So I wanted to, though, to go back to, I guess, where it all began, maybe at 19, when you packed your clothes, you had $10,000 in cash. You got that honestly by waxing Dollar General store floors. That's right. And you went from Mississippi, what, Picayune area, yeah. to California of all places. All right. Set the stage for us. What was going on yeah. in your 19-year-old brain? <laughs> it's a good place to start. Um, so I was, I guess, senior year of high school. I wanted to be a TV comedy writer. Uh, Saturday Night Live uh, kind of talk shows. Those folks really were kind of the, the the career I wanted. And so I had a scholarship at Mississippi State, had a roommate ready to go, and decided to turn it down and to go to junior college for freshman year uh, to get money saved up to go to uh, Los Angeles. So my parents are supportive, uh, but not the kind of parents who can cut checks for you know moving to L.A. and pursuing comedy. So I had to kind of make my own way that way. So Dollar General at night, refinishing the floors, and then uh, class during the day. And then, yeah, when I had enough money saved up and finished that year, I, I just drove out. So, Did you have the 10000 on your brain? Or was it like once you reached the 10000 you're like, I'm not saving it It really was just how much I could make in the year. Oh, gotcha. Uh, it was more timing. Yeah, if I had yeah. 4000 I still would have gone to Los Angeles. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so when I drove out, I had no job lined up or places to live. Uh, my mom didn't really know I had nowhere to live, but just got my car and drove. Uh, I figured I would figure it out when I got there. So. Uh, being freshman year of college, just finished that. Uh, rent wasn't the thing I had experienced before. And so about San Antonio or so, I'm looking through houses trying to find somewhere, $1,000 a month to live in someone else's bedroom. You be there a year. I'm sharing their bedroom. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. So uh, I figured out you could buy a boat for about three months' rent uh, in L.A. So when I got there, I arranged to meet a guy, bought a boat, and I bought one for like $3,000 uh, and lived on that. Had you ever 
Oh, boated no. before? No, that's the right word. It was a sailboat. I couldn't sail. Uh, had no, no experience whatsoever. <laughs> it just had a bed. It had a place to, for you to lay your head. It, it, it was a repossessed boat that the marina had repossessed, and so it was cheap and didn't run. Um, and it was pretty di- dirty, but uh, it worked out. And so it was actually illegal to live there. You had to have a permit, and I, I couldn't get a permit, so I did it under the cover of darkness. And uh, the dock master was super nice to let me uh, <laughs> let me be there illegally. Okay, so next, I guess you at least tried to make your dream come true as a yeah, comedian, I did. right? Yeah, so I did the kind of the classic stand-up comedy, open mic night stuff in the smoky back rooms, and uh, I, I enjoyed that part. It was a lot of fun uh, when I could get some mic time. You know, they give you two or three minutes right. uh, whenever you can get on, um, and then try to get a job working for a writer, and so I ended up kind of working for this guy who wrote um, scripts, pilots, and movies, that kind of thing. Not all comedy, but... Um, what I found was that people who were ahead of me, both in the clubs doing comedy, open mic stuff, and getting paid to do it, and then the writing kind of scene, I just met some miserable people, uh, folks who just were ahead of me 10 years doing what I thought I wanted to do, and on their third wives, and you know, really just did not enjoy their place in life. And so I got in the wrong crowd at the right time for me, um, and so I kind of questioned, uh, kind of Pretty soon figured out what got me there was more ego than anything else. What good wisdom to have at 19? I don't know if many of us well, it wasn't, would. Yeah, it wasn't wisdom. That. It was rock bottom. Uh, <laughs> seriously, but it was. To look at the, to be able to tell your kids, though, look at the people that you say you want to be. Do you really want that life? But not everybody has the opportunity right. to immerse themselves in it kind of like you did. We only see the Instagram, the what's on TV, you know, the highlight sort of real. You got to see the underbelly of what you said you wanted and realized it wasn't pretty. Exactly. Right. For everybody. Uh, yeah, yeah, for some folks, maybe they could have pushed through it. Uh, but, yeah, I woke up one day on the boat. Um, I'm from a small town, Picayune, and, and a very kind of um, tight-knit place. And so I had a lot of community, church church family and all that kind of thing. And so to kind of leave all of that by myself in Los Angeles on a sailboat, you know, literally adrift in Los Angeles. And then I woke up one morning at 11, and I realized that nobody there would have cared if I never woke up, right? No one in L.A. knew or cared about me, and that was tough. Uh, coming from kind of this place of support where if I failed, I knew I had someone pick me up. There I kind of was in a place where if I failed, nobody nobody cared. And so it kind of made me reassess kind of what do I want to do with my life, the impact I want to have. And I, thought, I, didn't, I don't think comedy writing was that, <laughs> was that for me. Um, so, yeah, I had to totally – I think every 19-year-old should have that kind of crisis in their life and go through it. it for me, the person I was before that and who I am now, um, totally different. And the place I'm, I'm going, I can draw a straight line from Los Angeles to, to that. Did the boat have a name? It didn't. It was unnamed, and I didn't have a chance to name it. That's sad. How long um, were you in the boat? I was there for like four months. Oh, you were. This was this was short. Uh, I was in and out, <laughs> in and out. <laughs> okay, what'd you do with the boat? I ended up selling it. Uh, so the guy that I uh, I bought it from, uh, he sold it for me. I bought high and sold low, but I did I did get rid of it. Uh, I, I feel very vested in the boat. I feel like we need to know: Did the boat make it? Did it get you know uh, refurbished? Is it out on sailing on the water? Yeah. So I've uh, I've tried to find out. I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, it was a 27 foot uh, Ericsson sailboat in 1960 something, and um, it was in bad shape when I when I bought it and when I left it. Um, 
but I'm, I'm hopeful. You know, in my mind, it's out there sailing somewhere right now uh, with a new a new life. We would like <laughs> to think that as well. Maybe not wind up in a chop shop, and well, you wind up you know sailing off into a different direction and a positive one. So we hope the boat <laughs> had its second wind. A, a similar as well. story. Similar story. Okay, the drive to California had to be somewhat exciting, right? All the aspirations, the coulds, the woulds, the maybes, and then four months later, you're packing up and you're driving back to Mississippi. I assume. No, so I had I had told friends, family, and anybody who would listen, I'm going to California, and so I decided I may as well just stay out in California. Ah. And so I decided I'm going to get a, a marketing degree. So your ego hadn't busted yet. Well, totally. yeah, not totally, right? <laughs> uh, still California dreams. Uh, so at that point, I decided to go. In, I wanted to do military. That's what I wanted to do. Um, and so I was going to go to UCLA and get a degree, but I had to stay in, in LA for a year to get in-state tuition. So the plan was just to hang out in Los Angeles, do some odd jobs. Um, and make a life after after a year and go back to college. Um, so I applied for some jobs around. I had done some political work in Mississippi before um, in high school and stuff like that. And so I applied for some political jobs out in L.A. and got an interview um, with the Romney campaign. It was 2012. And so I uh, took that and then they offered me a job and I was pumped about. And then I said, OK, what part of L.A. is it in? And they said, oh, no, it's in Boston. I was like, ah, okay, well, I can't go to Boston because I'm in L.A. Thanks a lot. Turned it down. And then I called my dad, and he was like, don't be a dummy. Uh, go to Boston. <laughs> go to Boston. It's a big deal. And so I left my boat and car uh, and failed Common Dreams behind in Los Angeles and flew to Boston. Uh, I had a job this time, which was a new, uh, you know, an improvement from the last trip I made, the last move I made to L.A., but still nowhere to live. And so I had a duffel bag with all, all my clothes in it. I flew in on Sunday night, um, job offer on Friday, flew in Sunday night, starting on Monday morning, and I slept in the airport for sun- Sunday night, and then went to the campaign headquarters uh, in Boston, uh, North End, on Monday morning, worked the first day went with my duff- duffel bag in hand, went back to the airport, and slept there again Monday night. Uh, and then I found a place, I posted on Twitter, I was like, I need some help, who's got a place in Boston I can crash for a bit? And somebody that I knew through like three or four connections. That's that Mississippi out. connection, probably. Was it a you Mississippi know, Surprisingly not. It oh, was, uh, yeah, it was not. Yeah, if I had waited a little longer, I'm sure I would have found yeah. one. Um, but I lived in this like vacant apartment for two weeks, and I then found somebody on Craigslist to take me in. Um, You're very trusting with where you lay your head at night. I, yeah, I, I travel light, though. I can, I can leave pretty quick if I need to. <laughs> If I was nervous about the boat as your mother, I'm very nervous about a vacant. Yeah, these stories mom didn't know at the time. Mom mom didn't know until much later all this was going on. Yeah, this lady on Craigslist, she hosted – I I posted my own ad. Obituary star, (laughs) this lady on Craigslist. (laughs) JoJo. (laughs) I know. Where were you at nine years ago? Uh, Yeah, so she – I posted my own ad asking for housing. I didn't even respond to an ad. And so she reached out. And actually, two people reached out. One was a lady – Nowhere for me to live. She was worried about me. And <laughs> it, was your, it was your mother's friend <laughs> exactly. under a different name. Uh, this lady, she's like, I just, I'm worried. I'm worried for your safety. And the other lady, Janice, hosted foreign exchange students in her house, and so she had all these bunk beds around her place. Um, and she's like, I got a bed for you when I have one. If not, I've got a couch for you. And so I lived there for about half the time in Boston, and she was great. As you can imagine, this story is just getting started with with JoJo. We've got more coming up next here on Good Things.
This show was previously recorded. This show was previously recorded. Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. Things wants to encourage you to go on an adventure in Mississippi, so go to visitmississippi.org to find out more and head on over to supertalktv.com as we're finding out more about Joseph, Jojo Dodd's adventure. He is about to graduate, though, as a uh, doctor from UMC. He's going to serve as a physician in the Navy, but that's the bookend of his story, or at least this final chapter now. But we are on which chapter of this? The Romney chapter. How old are you now? Still 19. You're still, oh, you're still 19. Okay. <laughs> I think back to when I was 19. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, so you moved to Boston. You found a safe place to stay. What did you do for, for the Romney campaign? Yes, yeah, so I worked. Uh, I, I lucked into it. I worked on the strategy team. Um, and so there were four or five of us from Mississippi on the campaign, and uh, two of us were on the strategy team. Uh, I was in the lowest possible position on the strategy team. But you were 19. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't even belong, belong in that position. So most folks in the campaign who I got to talk to and met kind of took me in as like a younger kid brother kind of type. And so I got to experience some really cool things in places I did not belong, uh, from debate prep to different campaign events and uh, traveling a bit with uh, the governor and then kind of just campaign in general. ton of fun. I mean, in every room I was in, I just felt very grateful to be in that room and to be a part of it. So it was very cool. Stuart Stevens, who was chief strategist for Romney, um, Mississippian, um, was kind of the in charge of the, that And I guess group. at 19, if you're part of a political campaign, you don't really care, not care whether they win or not. You, that's probably not the right way to say it. But you're so young, you know, you'll bounce back and you're there for the experience. It's a much different experience if you're, you know, a season and seasoned in the career and you're like you're banking on them going to the next level or making it so your career can keep or did you even see yourself as going through the motions in politics yeah that yeah i had uh, no thoughts beyond election day uh yeah, yeah. 19 you can afford just to kind of look just directly what you're doing so yeah i had no thoughts whatsoever about kind of what happened after election day i uh, I think working on that kind of campaign, putting the hours in that you do, you have to think you're going to win. And so I just thought they were going to win, and I had no idea what was next um, uh, for me after oh, the campaign the was over. That's the beauty of being 19. That's exactly right. <laughs> okay, I was definitely not a political operative by any means. I was uh, <laughs> I was very, very green. So the, Okay, so uh, unfortunately, he didn't win. He did not win. So what happened next? Yeah, so, um, well, election night um, – uh, we were in New Hampshire for the last campaign event. Kid Rock played. It was great. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. <laughs> well, <laughs> well uh, so I have this. Uh, I was on the campaign. Rodney and Kid Rock just usually they're, aren't the two. They're that... not the typical characters you imagine together. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah actually, I was, uh, again, I'm 19 from Mississippi. I was on a boat in Los Angeles like – you know, a few months ago. And so being there was nothing I ever imagined. That campaign event, uh, I'm with the campaign. I'm, I'm a photographer that night for the campaign. And so I'm going around the whole arena taking pictures and that kind of thing. Well, the hallway was off limits to the press, but I'm not with the press. I'm with the campaign. I've got a, a badge. And so I got back there and Kid Rock comes down the hallway, thinks I'm in the press. And so it starts cussing me out because I'm not supposed to be taking pictures of him. And I thought it was the funniest thing. I'm smiling the entire time. It was great. Uh, he went on stage at his thing. And then that night uh, after the campaign, after the rally, I got a call and said, tomorrow, what are you doing? Which was kind of funny because tomorrow's election day. Nothing, actually. I'm pretty free uh, because my job's over. And so I said, meet me at 6 a.m. at the headquarters. 
And so, one, again, one of these kid brother type moments, they just looked out for me. Um, so I get there, suburban waiting for us. We go to the airport and we're doing some last minute campaign stops. So on election day, you know, 19, I get to fly with the gov and the whole campaign team, Secret Service, to press uh, to Ohio and then to Pennsylvania, then back to Boston for the election night uh, victory party. And so uh, it was it was great. So I'm in the motorcade going in Ohio and then flying back to Pennsylvania, another event, and then off to Boston. Um, and then when we land uh, in Boston was the first kind of exit poll data we had started getting in. And so that's when we first kind of realized that, okay, this is not going to go as well as we'd hoped. Um, so, yeah, then I walked home after that from the, the victory party, and that was uh, the beginning of the Oh, they'll pick you up on up. the way to the fun, but they make you walk home if it doesn't look good. <laughs> exactly. It <laughs> said you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dog-eat-dog world it out is. there. Okay, but it didn't stop there, at least in terms of politics for you, JoJo. I mean, you got you got picked up or you had an opportunity with Roger Wicker. How did that come in? Yeah, so uh, Austin Barber uh, from Mississippian um, worked in the campaign and he was very kind to me and uh, talked to him and he said, you know, what do you want to do next? And I said, you know, I'm not sure. I've done the campaign thing. And he told me I should go um, see about Roger Wicker's office. And so uh, Senator Wicker's office, I applied and they were very uh, gracious and gave me a spot for uh, that next semester. I interned for them for a semester. Um, and it was a fantastic experience. Getting to go from the campaign side, which is, you know, trying to make these promises, and then from the actual government side, trying to make good on those promises that uh, folks make and actually do policy. It was very cool. And at some point, you found your way back to Mississippi and back in school, kind of where it all started. So when did you get back to state? Uh, I got there in fall of 2013. So how old are we now? I am 20. Oh, okay. I'm 20. You're mature now. I turned 21 that fall. Uh, at Mississippi State. Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> this I'm whole time, your parents, I mean, how how are they feeling about just the whirlwind of at least that, that 12 to 24 months? Yeah, I didn't share with them all of the, you know, the uh, sketchy details until it was after the fact. But, you know, mom was never really super happy that I was uh, out there doing those kind of things. Um, but, again, always supportive. Um, and, you know, dad was always – he never really voiced his uh, his true feelings, I bet. But he, again, always very supportive um, and just – Inter- Did they throw interested you a party in- like the prodigal son when you came back to go to state like you originally had They planned. should have. They really should have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you, you made it back, and you decided to go back into school. What did you go into school for? Uh, marketing. Uh, I was a marketing major at first, and I switched to economics. And so did economics there. Um, and I was uh, going to do economics and then apply for Marine Corps officer candidate school. That was the plan. Finish college. Go so you still m- have military on the mind. I did. I did. And uh, the experiences with Romney and Senator Wicker's office were as fun as they were, were also very persuasive that politics was not for me. Um, and so I decided a career, or at least beginning a career with the military, was kind of the, the next step. So that's uh, how I got to Mississippi State and kind of my mindset there when I started. We've got a lot of Bulldog fans that listen into good things and they will be excited to know that we are that you are also a form of bully i was not like that kind of bully but <laughs> i don't think there's that in here although that may have come come in handy in some of the spots of your life but no but you were the mascot for mississippi state so how did that how did that where where did you fit it in yeah so i i was uh always a fan of bully growing up grew up a bulldog fan and never occurred to me that a human being was inside a bully suit like because was... you were 19 you hadn't fully developed the frontal lobe yet <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> no, so I saw I uh, saw an ad for the the tryout, and I was like, "Oh Do you man!" Read the paper every morning. <laughs> exactly. What can I get into? Uh, yes, yeah, so I just tried out and uh, let, let me on. So it was, I was a bully from 2014 to 2016. So the DAC years, uh, I mean, that was, uh, a lot it of was fun. 
prime time. Very and that's fun. kind of where foreshadowing you made your first connection with Children's Mississippi, or at least UMMC. So how did you how did you as bully get connected with doing great work for the Children's Hospital? Yes. Yeah, so every year during the Jackson Extravaganza, alumni uh, folks throw uh, the team, the coaches uh, go to the hospital and meet the kids and meet the parents. And so bully got to go. And so I got to go as bully. And I went every year. I was the mascot. And also after I graduated, continued to go to the hospital uh, as bully. Uh, it's just fun. You know, it's one of those things that uh, being a mascot is really fun because all of the downsides of being a famous person, they don't exist because you take the suit off and you're just a nobody. But when you're in the suit, people, you know, you can make their day a kid just by kind of giving them attention and kind of pointing them out in a crowd. And that kind of power to impact someone positively is just fun to have. Um, it's a great time. In the, the hospital, these kids are looking for something to smile about. And so Bully is just an eight-foot toddler running around doing silly things. And so it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Okay. Well, you weren't having enough fun because you reached out and you started getting interested in being an EMT. Is that did that happen at MSU? It happened at Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I just I just like to say yes to things, uh, you know. And uh, did you find that ad in the paper? I don't know how I found that ad. The, uh, where I found that ad, uh, probably not. <laughs> you would now because they're shortage of EMTs. They are a shortage of EMTs. It's a hard job. Um, did you get behind one on the way from from school and just be like, I wonder what's going on on the inside? I you, mean, you know, really, I wanted again Marine Corps officer candidate school. I wanted, wanted to do. I want to be a Marine officer, and I was applying. And it's competitive, and so I thought maybe being an EMT would uh, make my application better. And so I know, now looking back, I'm not sure it would have, but at least then I thought it might. So uh, I did it at night uh, over at the community college by Mississippi State. And uh, so I was like, you know, four hours uh, twice a week. And it was, the class was fine. And then at the end of the class, though, you have to do rotations on the ambulance and in the hospital. And uh, on the ambulance, I just fell in love with it. Uh, our first real call was on a highway outside of Starkville, Highway 82. And it was a turnover vehicle. And this couple was in it. And this guy's fiance had gotten thrown from the vehicle. And I'm an EMT student now. And so you know my job is very limited, which is basically watch, get, don't be in the way. And so I, she's in the median, still conscious, and some serious injuries, you could tell, just even from my limited experience. And so I just held her hand and talked to her while the actual EMTs and paramedics did their work. Um, and we ended up flying her off the street there, off the highway, uh, with air care. And uh, I realized on the way back that it was the most impactful kind of connection that I had really ever had with a stranger. There was no room for judgment uh, for me, for her, for her, for me, just room for kind of action and kind of helping her. And that kind of interaction was kind of, I think, intoxicating. And so a career that can give me that is what I wanted. And so that's kind of how I got to medicine after that call. And that's where we will pick up your story coming up next here on Good Things. This show was previously recorded. This show was previously recorded. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
a lot of good things to do in Mississippi, so go to visitmississippi.org to find out more and head on over to supertalktv.com. We're continuing our conversation with Joseph Jojo Dodd. Are you Dr. Dodd yet? Not yet. Not yet. Almost three weeks, so we don't want to jinx that. (laughs) But you will be going in as a physician in the Navy, which all along throughout the story, one thread that's kind of been the same, Jojo, at least from the first time there in California was this love of military and kind of wanting to get in into service. And I love that it's taken you literally around the country and then back to Mississippi. And now you're on a highway helping a lady who in her worst time threw a car wreck. And did you see how those two worlds could collide then military and your newfound purpose? Yeah, not really. No. I mean, I, I went into that, even that, that car wreck trying to get through it. Like I was just doing my time on the ambulance to get my certification as EMT and keep applying for Marine Corps off Canada school. Um, and that was just, I think LA broke me uh, and that whole experience uh, prepared me to be there on that highway and receive kind of that, uh, that moment. It goes back to what you mentioned earlier about Instagram and seeing certain versions of people. We work very hard to keep up certain, uh, you know, um, facades and yeah. appearances. And, um, in that moment, um, there was no room for any of that. This, this lady was just needing my help. Never crossed my mind, uh, about her race. Is she a good mom? Is she worthy of this kind of help? Never, right? Um, and so, and same for her, you know, she looks at me as someone who's just willing to be helpful and help her in that moment of need, not about what are my grades in the, in the course good, you know, my good EMT. Um, there was no room for any of that or room for fear of judgment either, right? Like a lot of uh, kind of what motivates us to do things is like what folks will think about us. And um, in those moments of real need, there's no room for fear of judgment, just action. And so... That was realization that for me, okay, I have to do this forever. This is a, this is kind of a, a place I want to be more often than just randomly on the highway in the middle of uh, Octobaha County. And so I went to um, – I called my recruiter actually for the Marine Corps and said, hey, I want to be a doctor. And he's like, well, that's, that sucks because <laughs> 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 I was a number for him and uh, you can't be a doctor in the Marine Corps. And so he gave me the Navy recruiter's number and told me to kick rocks. Uh, and so I called the recruiter and the, for the Navy and said, okay, I want to be a doctor. And he said, yeah, we'll sign you up. Um, and so I went to my advisor at the Mississippi State, MC Reese. Shout out to her, um, the kind of healthcare professions advisor. And I said, I'm going to be a doctor. I said, let's do the major change thing. It's economics major. And so let's change this major to a you know, a more um, a typical pre-med major. And she said, well, you're a junior now in college, so maybe keep your major to graduate on time. But we'll do the prereqs on the side. So I ended up finishing with the economics degree and got the med school prereqs uh, kind of on the side of that. So all in all, I mean, what? how many degrees will you end up with? Well, uh, I got a master's degree after undergrad, so I'll have an associate's, a bachelor's, a bachelor. A, uh, yeah. Somewhere in there, JoJo, is teaching and, and coaching soccer. Yeah. Where, in, where did you find the ad in the paper for that? Yeah, so uh, I did grad school. Um, after undergrad because I was not ready for med school. Uh, I needed to kind of more basic science background. Gotcha. And so I worked on the ambulance. It was it was fantastic. I mean, I was in Jackson at UMC uh, from Monday to Friday. Our last class was Friday at 1 o'clock. And so I would get done at 3 o'clock and have my bag packed in my car and drive to Starkville on Friday, clock in at 5 p.m. in Octobaha County Hospital, and then work from Friday at 5 to Sunday morning at 8 every weekend. So 40 hours straight, and it was the best. Like they were super nice to let me do that uh, just on weekends. And so I worked full-time with them and did grad school. Um, and so I was living in Starkville basically uh, you know, all weekend and then uh, here during the week. 
And then I applied to med school and didn't get in the first time. And so um, I was like, okay, well, i got to find something else to do. And so with the master's degree, I could teach uh, science. And so I applied broadly, and the first call I got was one from Starkville. And so I went and interviewed, and they offered me a job, and I, I took it. Teaching and coaching soccer. Teaching and coaching soccer. And uh, I I grew up playing soccer. I love soccer. Um, And so it was like an ideal situation. I wanted to teach science, um, and the idea of coaching had never crossed my mind until they offered it. I'm like, oh, that's incredible. So I taught junior uh, anatomy and physiology, and then I taught uh, freshman biology, and then coached boys and girls varsity and JV soccer. And then when did you uh, – you still had the dream or the vision for med school. I mean, I feel like it oh, now because yeah. you had all these different points, JoJo, where you could have settled or you could have just, you know, took the easier route or just went with where wherever that particular point was for you. But it feels like you were restless until you weren't or maybe you still are. But, I mean, what w- I mean, how did we still make it to med school? Yeah, so even going into teaching, med school was where I was headed. And so if I had to apply – Eight times. I would have applied eight times. Uh, but I love teaching. Um, it was bittersweet getting in med school, actually, because I just genuinely loved teaching. Uh, I remember I was going to soccer practice when I got the phone call that I got in med school. And I told my assistant coach that I had gotten in, and she was also trying to go to vet, vet school. And so she gave me a big hug and was excited. And I was kind of – I wouldn't want the guys to find out, and they kind of found out, obviously. And so the first question was, so it means you won't be here next year? And so it was, you know, very bittersweet because I love those kids and I love teaching. It's just fun to wake up in the morning and think about someone other than yourself. Uh, and teaching is like that, the career that lets you kind of – um, think about other people in your work. Like, how do I teach, you know, photosynthesis better for Callie today? Cause yesterday she didn't get it, right? Like, that's the kind of thought you have. Um, I was not a very, I, I, I'm certain the best teacher, but I really cared about kind of the job. It was a lot of fun. And I, I get, um, the very similar sense in medicine that like medicine, your kind of focus is other people. And that kind of satisfaction was there for me for teaching. When you were going through med school, finally, Jojo, was it kind of like a moment of where you felt like this is it? I fit. It's rocking. This is where I was always supposed to be. No, definitely not. <laughs> uh, well, because first year of med school, first two years, you're in the classroom and it's just they tell you it's all about you. Like it is the most kind of a it's very selfish culture. It's like you need to study. It's your time. Med school is hard. Don't forget how hard med school is and tell everybody else how hard it is. <laughs> you know, remind folks how hard the thing you're, is, the thing you're doing is. And for me, that just that doesn't scratch the itch. Like wake up in the morning just thinking about me and just like getting my time protected. It's just not as fun as teaching was. And so I really struggled with that. Like it's just uh, finding an outlet that is bigger than yourself is for me is super important. I just don't have fun otherwise. And so for me, finding the free clinic actually at the in, in med school and finding a way to plug in and do the academic part and get through get the degree, but also to kind of um, use those skills that I have, which are considerably limited in med school, uh, to make a difference. Kind of med school, the whole promise is that one day you'll be impactful. One day make a difference for people in your community. And the free clinic is a way to take the skills you have now and make an impact today. Share with us what you do at the Jackson Free Clinic. Yeah, so now I'm the chairman of the board and chief operations officer. Uh, the free clinic is a student-run free clinic uh, here in Jackson, and we serve folks who don't have health insurance. And so it's free medical care, dental care, physical therapy, OT. Uh, we do specialty services, free pharmacy services. And so it's uh, it's a really kind of comprehensive service for folks without health insurance, um, both in Jackson and folks come from all over the state to the free clinic. What has that clinic taught you? Oh, I mean, med school teaches you the science, and then which is a – 
I wouldn't want to quantify it, some small percentage of being a doctor. Uh, the rest of it is really in the uh, – it's as, as unique as each patient is. Um, the best plan and like the most evidence-based plan uh, might be the worst plan depending on the person's ability to pay for that medication, to go to that appointment. And so to kind of put a face and humanize uh, what you're doing for me has been super impactful and I, certainly will affect how I practice medicine in the future. So what's the plan? What's the next plan? Yes, the next plan so is... It's taking us an hour, JoJo, but we're kind of <laughs> we're at least winding down to where you are right now in your life. Yes. So in three weeks, I'll graduate uh, finally from medical school, uh, and then I'll move to San Diego with the Navy. And so uh, I'm in their hands uh, now, as it were. So I'll be in San Diego, emergency medicine residency, um, and we'll start June 1st, uh, kind of hit the ground running. And then from there, wherever they let me go. Wherever they let you go. or yeah. what, Are you going to be okay with that? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. You know you have to. It's Uncle Sam, right? Exactly. It's like that or jail, I think, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like you have a very wandering spirit. and But, I mean, the Navy will wander you uh, for you. So I think that will be very – looking back, you're 29 now. It's taken you like a decade to get here. Could you have told – Joseph, JoJo, 19-year-old, that this is – could you have imagined this? No, no. And I think – I mean, that's the biggest lesson is that L.A., my mom, could have stopped me from going to Los Angeles if she really, really tried. Could have put her foot down and, like, said, you just cannot go. We'll cut you off from – you know, won't love you anymore. Um, and she would have saved me from failure, from embarrassment, from lonely nights, from tearful nights, um, but also would have kept me from – one of the most important and impactful periods of my life, a transform, transformative period of my life that today uh, kind of helped make me who I am. And so that failure was so important, more important, I think, than any of the success I've had since then. And so I think the plans I had in my mind, even even a year out from me going to Los Angeles, were way better. Sorry, were way worse than what actually happened. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think... For me, it's about saying yes in the moment, being willing to take the risk and not being averse to that risk, and just kind of being true to who you are as you do it. And I think in the end, it'll work out. It'll work out. We've got a little bit more before we get out of here with JoJo coming up next. This show was previously recorded. This show was previously recorded. Upbeat, positive, and stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Lane 
planning your Mississippi getaway, everything you need to know is over at visitmississippi.org. Don't forget to head on over to supertalktv.com. You'll see we're winding down our day here with Joseph uh, Jojo Dodd. He'll just be Dr. Dodd in just a little while. And I find your whole story inspiring. Number one, it's that I appreciate uh, someone who can set out on the open road and not really know the next steps. They just step out and try to find out. And then to have the wherewithal to make U-turns when needed. I can appreciate that. And as well as allowing the opportunities that come your way to write your story. Where did you did you have like a, um, a mentor, a model of that within your home? Or is that just something that came innate? I don't think it's innate. Uh, yeah, my, my parents, both mom and dad, both uh, supportive of kind of whatever I wanted to do. Um, I got a job working at VidCon, which is this online video convention and as a junior in high school. And so traveled actually kind of to Los Angeles for a week uh, in the summer and worked for this thing. And they were supported behind that, um, working for these candidates, you know, for stuff locally in Mississippi and in high school, making their, their commercials on video, that kind of thing. They just supported kind of whatever I was doing. Um, and I think it helped me kind of understand that there is risk in some of these things, but that, um, you know, if you just try it, it may not work out, but you're better for it at the, in the end of it. Uh, Brene Brown, uh, I'm a fan of her work. She talks about kind of the emotional vulnerability that you face every day isn't a question. The question is about engagement, engaging with that risk. And, you know, even if you think you know where you're going exactly, the truth is you don't, right? Tomorrow's not guaranteed. And so I think engaging with that risk and being willing to not know and kind of being cognizant of the fact that you you don't know really what's going to happen helps you do cool things. It does do cool things. One of the cool things you did was spend some time again with Senator Roger Wicker. You were sharing during the break that you guys may not have kept, you may not be pen pals, but <laughs> <laughs> you've at least kept up over over the years, and he's kind of followed you wherever your other success is. Where where else has Roger and your past collide? Yeah, so the folks in his office, Michelle, she was staff. I mean, they, he's got he's got fantastic folks in his office. They're great, uh, and so Senator Wicker has kept in touch, uh, and so I went and visited him last fall in his office and talked with the free clinic, advocated for our clinic and our patients and, and the students that are learning in our clinic. Um, and they came and visited the free clinic a few weeks ago and met some student leaders. So we're all student run. We're a nonprofit independent from UMC. Um, and so students are our entire board of directors and students are the ones kind of helping facilitate care under licensed physician and dentist uh, supervisors who help uh, kind of uh, supervise the care. Um, but we raise our own, our own funds as well. We own our own building. And so uh, we brought him in to come see what we do, uh, meet our leaders and kind of um, advocate again for uh, our clinic. And he's just very supportive uh, of that, which is cool. You picked kind of a tough career to finally settle in, particularly after the pandemic. I know maybe you got into it before then. And there's a lot of people who feel like they're no longer encouraging their sons and daughters to go into the medical field the way maybe they once did. Right. Like it can be uh, a tougher world than they thought than once thought in terms of nurses and doctors and dietitians or, and more. What do you say to that? What do you say to still if you have the call to to tough it out through the hard school and to do all the things to to get to be that doc in the community. Sure, healthcare is changing, uh, and the path to healthcare is changing all the time. What's not changing is the need. Mississippians uh, need uh, healthcare providers. They need the nurses. They need the EMTs, the radiology techs, the LPNs, the doctors. And um, I think 
uh, that for me is enough uh, to, to, to do it. If you are called to medicine, you're called to medicine. Um, and whether it's hard to get there or not, I think the payoff for me is to have a career that's impactful in the way I want it to be. I want it to be uh, impactful. And so for me, that's a career in healthcare. Do you ever still write comedy? Uh, just my exams in med school. <laughs> no, uh, no, I don't. Um, I need to get back into it. I need to get back. When I go to San Diego, I find some uh, open mics again. I would feel like uh, having a little bit of comedic timing and and bedside humor, right? Like good bedside humor would be perfect in the field that you found yourself in because, again, you're fi- you're meeting people in probably the wor- worst day they've had in a really long time if they're finding you in the emergency room, and we all need a good laugh. Yeah, it's, it is helpful. Uh, I think comedy is a way to just con- – Comedy is just connection with people and them kind of seeing in themselves in something that you're saying. Um, and I was obviously wasn't that good of a comedy uh, comedian in Los Angeles. I'd still be there. Um, but yeah, it does help, and that just kind of uh, kind of uh, that levity is helpful in stressful moments. Any regrets? Not at all. No, I, my like philosophy is rather a good story than a good time. Um, and in that is just like sometimes things aren't fun in the moment, but they're, they're, they're instructive and they're fun to talk about later. And so for me, even the failures, uh, I, I wear with pride. I feel like your parents should be our next guest here and to give us all a <laughs> tutorial on how to let the little bird fly from the nest and, and, and trust. And I feel like though, if we, if, if more of us had the, had the courage to do that with our kids, let them go, let them fail, let them figure it out, then and you never know where their story may turn. I mean, don't let them do, be stupid, but if they're smart, they'll keep it from you. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> and they'll just tell you later on when they're doctor dot. Oh, mom, I found my roommate on Craigslist. <laughs> exactly. Raise tactful kids. <laughs> Raise tactful kids. All righty. Well, congratulations. And we look forward to having you back as I know that you're going to get back to Mississippi at some point in your career. You always have a, um, you're always welcomed here to share your story. But stick with us. We got more for you up next you got sports talk mississippi from three to six rhino and i'll meet you back tomorrow at two but until then i hope you all find time for the good things this show was previously recorded Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.